them lives. If you, if you can't this week, get their address, mail them money. Amen? Come on, guys. You know, when God's doing something, it's a smart thing to participate in it. It's another thing to try to do something on your own, hope God gets involved, right? But when God's doing something, wisdom says participate, right? I mean, you see God moving, you just step up there and act like you're there the whole time. Okay, no matter how late you are, get involved. Come on, guys, there's some wisdom right there. I can send you home, you will have learned something. God's doing something, participate. I don't care how late you are, hook up. Hook up, because when it's over, you'll wish you'd been connected to it, right? We're always wanting God to do our thing. Man, we got, we got to get our head screwed on right. We are not here so that God can do our thing. We are here to hear from God how we can participate with what he is doing, right? He's God. He's God. I got to tell you something. He does stuff I don't even like until he's done. And then I tell people it was my idea. In the process, I try not to talk about it because I'm not happy, right? Just like you, God does things in my life that I wish he'd leave alone, Okay. 4.30 this, 4.30 this morning, God wakes me up. I don't get up at 4.30. I don't go to bed till 1.30. I'm a, I'm a night guy. Wake me up at 4.30, and I know that he's got something important to say, and I'm going to listen, but I also know I'm going to be in a bad mood the rest of the day because I like sleep. And here's God talking to me about you at 4.30. I wish you guys would get your lives right with God so I can get some sleep. If you're here today and you don't own a Bible, hold your hand up. We'll give you one. It's our gift to you. We want to make sure you got a copy of the Word of God. Those of you that have one, get it in your hand. Let's stand together and make a confession together. Amen? You got your Bible with you? Stand up. Hold the Bible up in there. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, say, I will never be the same. Never, never, never. Shout it out. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more hand. He's worthy. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm here. Amen. You know, you know there are times that, you know, I think sometimes people go to church and they're hoping that somebody's just going to be nice to them. I heard the story of a guy that was laying in bed one morning. His wife came in and she said, why don't you get up and we're going to be late. And he, he argued. And she came back a little while later and she said, honey, you need to get up. We're going to be late for church. And he just looked at her and said, babe, I'm not going. I'm not going today. And she said, you got to go. And he said, I'm not going today. Why won't you go? Because people that aren't nice to me, they, they, they really don't, I don't think they like me. Uh, most of them won't shake my hand. They won't look me in the eye. They, they won't address me. They said, you know, I'm just tired of it. I'm going to stay in bed. I'm not going today. And she said, you have got to go. He said, give me one good reason why I have to go. She said, you're the pastor. And so uh, he went to church that day. I think sometimes we think we got to, you know, when we go to church, somebody's going to be nice to us. Somebody's going to stroke us. Somebody's going to make us feel good. And that probably would be nice. But, you know, when you got a flat tire, you need somebody to jack you up and change the tire. And I'm here today to jack you up and deal with that flat thing you got thumping down the highway. All right? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> you, say, you probably aren't going to get a bunch of warm fuzzies today, all right? But you're going to get some truth. All right? Realize 
that God created you for glory. Everything God created, he created for glory. Glory is not some cloud. It's not angel feathers floating through the air. It's not gold dust left on the seat when you get up and leave. It's not bubbles. It's not, it's not a feeling. Glory, the, the, the definition of the word glory, the Hebrew and Greek both, the, the definition of that word literally means this. It is the full heavyweight manifestation of the true character or nature of any given thing. The true full heavyweight manifestation of the true character or nature of any given thing. So when the glory of God comes, you're going to see the full weight manifestation of the true nature or character of God. You're going to see it. You're going to touch it. You're going to feel it. Okay. Glory is something that you can put your hand on and you can, you can hold it. You can pass it around the room. Okay. Glory is, is not a feeling that maybe you get feelings in the presence. You know, when the presence of the Lord comes, you get little goosebumps and, and, uh, and, and that's real. Okay, the presence of God is kind of the, the invisible, uh, but yet you know it, it, it is a sense. It is a, it is, oh man, he's in a room and there's just this moment where you can just tell. Have you ever, have you ever went to do something and you could feel the presence of God was right there? You, you could sense he was right there. But, but see, the presence and the glory are two different things. The glory is, is like peace in your house. That's glory. Hello? Health in your body. That's glory. Joy in the middle of a storm. That's glory. Right? Um, money in your account. <laughs> oh, yeah, now we're talking. Right? That, the proof. Proof. God was just here. Prove it. I got fruit. Fruit is glory. The tree is the blessing. The seed is the word. The word. His word is seed, right? The source of the seed, the seed was the word of God, right? His word is seed, which produces a tree. A tr the tree is the blessing. The tree is not the glory. The tree is, has the ability to produce the glory. The, the word blessing, see, when we talk about the blessing of God, well, that guy's blessed or she's blessed or we're blessed. You know, it's kind of a, it was a pretty popular catchphrase for a long time. How you doing? Blessed. And, and blessed means the ability to win or produce or the ability to win or succeed in any given situation. The, the, the ability to win or succeed in any given situation. Uh, the new job is not the blessing. The new job is the result of the blessing. Okay, the increase is the result of it. You know, it's like looking at the wind and, and you know, and, and the wind's blowing and you see, you know, the sagebrush going down the street. And you say, look at the wind. That's not the wind. That's the result of the wind. Right? Um, a lot of times what has been, uh, you know, the result of the blessing we've called the blessing. But that was the result of the blessing. That's what the blessing produced, which would actually be the glory. So when you got fruit hanging on your tree, you got glory. The glory is the fruit. Your life is the tree. Remember Jesus when he saw the fig tree far off and he went there. And when he got there, there were no figs. And the Bible says he answered the tree. You ever wonder why he answered a tree? Well, because the tree had made a statement. From afar off, he saw the leaves. Well, the only time a fig tree has leaves is when it has figs. So from afar, the tree was saying, 
I've got figs. But when he got there, there were no figs, there were only leaves. So Jesus answered the tree and cursed it. Well, that seems brutal. Well, no, the tree made a statement. The tree said, I got fruit. The tree was lying. So when he got there and there was no fruit, he answered the tree and he cursed it. See, a lot of us don't understand, but that, you know, the difference between a blessing and a cursing, the word blessing means to speak well of, and the word curse is to speak evil of. So when he cursed the tree, he just wasn't speaking well of it. And what happened, well, the result of that was, you know, that, that tree's a goner. And um, so, some, of, some of us need to realize that our T-shirt and our bumper sticker is nice, but it ain't quite enough. You're supposed to be producing fruit, right? Have you read the book? The book says you're, you're supposed to produce fruit. Well, you get there and you got a T-shirt, you got a bumper sticker, you ain't got no fruit, so what's that make you? Fruitless. Wow, this is deep. That makes you a liar. Hello? You're just lying. Okay? You're lying. I, I got Jesus in my house. Okay, prove it. You better have some fruit. And fruit is never produced for personal consumption. So the fruit of the Spirit, it ain't about you. See, it's so that when others come to you because they've seen the tree with the leaves, when they get to you, they're, they're going to find something that, that's been produced by the tree because the tree is blessed. What does that mean? The tree has the ability to produce. You have the ability to produce. Matthew 12, 33 says either make the tree good and its fruit good, right? You're going to put it up. Matthew 12, 33, make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt for the tree is known by its fruit. Make the tree good or make the tree corrupt. The choice is up to you. I know we want to blame it on the environment. We want to blame our ability to produce on what's going on around us. But what we produce is not determined by that which is going on around us. It's produced by that which is going on within us. Hello. Who's in control of what's going on in you? You. Well, no, it's the devil's fault. The devil's defeated. No, wait a minute. He's a big, bad, mean devil. Right. Who's been defeated by a crazy, victorious Jesus who has given you authority and power to demonstrate Satan's defeat on a daily basis, right? Your life's supposed to be humiliating hell. Not humiliated by hell, but humiliating hell. Well, yeah, but the devil's evil. Yeah, but you're good. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You, you ain't going to find any, you are not going to get a whole bunch of comfort from me. Now, you, there's other people here who will help you. You're not going to get a lot of comfort from me because a defeated enemy is beating you up. I, I want to look at you and say, uh, what's wrong with that picture? Come on now. You're going you, you're gonna to grow or, you're, or you might go, but, but you could grow. I, I want you to grow. Why? Because I want you to demonstrate Satan's defeat every stinking day of your life. I want you to get out of bed with an attitude that says, I'm going to go out here and when, when I'm done living life, God life today, hell's going to wish they had let me sleep in. Come on now. Why? Because I have been given a thought. Read the book. Right in the 26th verse of the first chapter of the first book, he created man and he put him in charge, gave him dominion, gave him authority. He put the keys in his hand and he said, rule and reign. I'm going to rule in heaven. You do on earth what I do up there. Got any questions? You just look up. And when you see what I do, you do it right down here, okay? What you make happen in heaven, what he makes happen in heaven, I'll make happen on earth. Yeah, you've been called to rule and to reign. You are in training for reigning. So in other words, you've got to quit whining, start shining. Stop pouting, start shouting. Hello, somebody. 
Come on now, you, you got you to take the floaties off and head for the deep end of the pool. Get the big boy pants on. Let's grow up in Jesus. Get strong. Right? I, I can give you a whole bunch of strength vic, you know, verses. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord. That's not a suggestion. Strength is not a suggestion. That is a commandment. If strength is a commandment, then weakness is a sin. By the way, what you call weakness, the King James calls wicked. So you're either going to be righteous or unrighteous. You're either going to be strong or weak. I don't want to be weak. Okay, I have moments of weakness. I'm human. I have days where the smiles wiped off my face. But the fact is that the joy in my heart is rooted so deep that pretty soon the fruit of that thing starts producing again. Come on now. I, I need people around me that will sow words of life into me, not agree with the death that's trying to hang on me. Right? If you can do this on your own, get her done. I got to have a bunch of people in my world. Okay, that's serious. I got to have people in my world that let me eyeball to eyeball and say, uh, you're getting a little hanky right about here. Okay, you're not, that's, that's the wrong fruit. Make the tree good. Make the tree good. Why? Because God's looking at my life and he wants to see fruit. We sell t-shirts. If you don't have a Band of Brother t-shirt, get one. But a t-shirt is not quite deep enough. We, we better have some glory. I said, we better have some glory. So that the people around our life, when they get up next to our life, they see what only God could produce. Seen enough of what you and I can produce. Come on now. We've seen enough of what we can produce. You know what? We, we on our own, on our own, we can go into a pretty hairy situation, come out okay. But with God, we can go into a hairy situation, turn that thing upside down, birth life all around us. As long as things aren't too messy, we can take our own ability and produce some pretty cool stuff. But when God's ability is put on top of our ability, there ain't nothing that's impossible for us anymore. Hello. God wants his ability on your ability. See, you're pretty talented. You're pretty gifted. You're, you're special because you were made in his image. So you might be able to fool your family. You might be able to fool your coworker. You might be able to fool your neighbor, but you ain't fooling God. See, and he's looking at your fruit, and he's saying, is that God fruit, is that you fruit? See, you might have some little nubbins hanging on your tree, but that, yeah, God's coming to check you out now. Okay. He's he, he going to check you out. There is, there is something missing in the average believer's life today, and it is the manifested glory of God on a consistent basis. Now, we, we've had it from moment to moment, but I'm talking about on a consistent basis, there's something missing, and it is the manifested glory of God. Well, how come it's missing? Well, the devil, and it's not the devil. Something's blocking the glory here. Well, well, well what, 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 what's blocking the glory? Oh, it's, it's probably my mother-in-law. She blocks everything. I bet it's not her. You want to find out where your problem lies, all you need to do in the morning is go in the bathroom, look in the mirror. James said, James said uh, <laughs> that, uh, that if you are a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, that you've deceived yourself. You're like somebody who looks into the perfect law of liberty, like one who looks into a mirror and sees himself, but goes back away, away from the mirror and straightway forgets what manner of man he is. And if you really examine Christianity in our society, see, one of, the, one of our challenges is, is that uh, we are blessed 
Come on, guys. I've been in parts of the world, several people in the, in the room have been in parts of the world where they're having to believe God for bread. Okay, you and I, we, we are in a society where we do pretty good. I don't know if you've noticed, but you got a pretty nice house. Both cars are pretty sweet. Hello? That half-price gasoline you're complaining about, you're still buying it, Right? Places around the world where it's nine, ten bucks a gallon. We got four thirty. We're upset about that. You know why? Because our five dollar cup of coffee that we spilled in our fifty five thousand dollar vehicle while we were talking for four dollars a minute on our telephone got all over our ninety dollar tennis shoes. Look at a pair of jeans the other day, two hundred bucks for a pair of jeans. Sorry. We're, we're, we're positioned in a place where we're not in the need to put a draw on God. So we, we kind of go through life forgetting about God. We think, you ready for this? No, this probably is just for the CD that we're making people who aren't here, okay? But we think we are God. Told you today I'm going to jack you up and change the tire, Okay. God wants to bring glory to your house. God wants, to, God wants to produce the manifested full weight proof of his divine character and nature in your world. And there's only one thing that will block that, and that's you and me. In my life, you can't block it in my life. Only I block it in my life. Only you block it in yours. And the deal is, is that we are under the impression that we are God. We think that real prayer, effective prayer, is taking the right amount, putting it in the right slot, pulling the right lever, and God giving us what we've asked for. But see, God would, number one, determine what's going to come and who's going to get it. Because that would be God thing. See, we are under the impression that if we pray right, God will do what we want. But God's under the impression that if we pray right, we'll do what he wants. We're under the impression that if we sing it just right, sound just right, look just right, smell just right, feel just right, God going to do everything that we ever desired. But God's under the impression that he's God and we're serving him. And that if we ever get right, we'll see right. And we'll recognize that we've been put here to serve him, not him here to serve us. There is a glory blocker in your life, and it's called strength. Strength is the glory blocker. You ready? Look at this. Second Chronicles 26, real quick. I, I got to hurry because you got to get this. All the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. He built Eloth. He restored Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah, by the way, Uzziah, you know what his name means? Jehovah is my strength. What a great name. Here's a guy that is every day of his life. See, in, in the Bible, names meant something. Right? I mean, they meant something. Have you ever wondered how come God and Jesus went around changing everybody's name? You know, over and over and over again, he changed their name. Why? Because their name meant something. See, we call each other, hey, Bubba. 
you know, and I, you don't know me nothing. But, but in the Bible, it meant something. So when he got up every day, he was reminded every day of his life, hey, God is your strength. Come on, get up out of bed. Hey, God is your strength. Better get to studying. Hey, God is your strength. The phone's for you. Phone ring, they pick it up. Is God, God is my strength. Is he there? Hold on just a minute. God is my strength. And he come run and answer the call. Why? Because that's his name. Every day of his life, he was reminded, God is my strength. And everybody he said, he introduced himself to. He, he introduced to everybody, God is my strength. Okay, now remember that. God is my strength. Check this out. Uh, verse 3. Let's go to verse 4. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. How many know that's a good thing right there? He did that which was right. Not just good, but right. There's a difference between good and right. Do what's right in the sight of the Lord. According to all that his father Amaziah did, he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. We've got to look at this for a minute. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding. But as soon as Zechariah, who had understanding, was gone, he quit seeking God. He had a problem. He, he was hooked up with people who understood God, but as soon as they were gone, he, he hadn't developed his own understanding. He had relied on the understanding of another. You want to make sure that you're increasing your understanding of, God's, of God and his word. Why? Because you ain't always going to have people around you that God understand it. Hello? Mark 4, 24. Be careful what you hear. The Amplified Bible goes on and says, the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear determines the matter of virtue and power, knowledge that comes back to you. Be careful what you hear. The word hear all the way through the Bible is understand. Be careful. Make sure you understand what God said. Why? Because the way you understand it is going to determine what's going to produce in your world. You better understand what he said. You better understand the word of God. You've got to have some understanding. Now, he was seeking God while people had understanding around him, but when they were gone, he didn't have his own understanding. He quit seeking God. You were seeking God when it was the cool thing to do, but yeah, all of a sudden we quit seeking God. Why? Well, because we don't think we need any more understanding. We'll get to that in a minute. Look at this. As long as he sought God, God made him to prosper. Do, do, you see that? Guys, I, I didn't write this. Right? You got that up there? Look at, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Jeremiah 29, 11, you might have heard this one. <laughs> I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, say the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. If it is God's plan to prosper you and you are not prospering, could it possibly be that you are outside of God's plan? If it's God's plan to prosper you, you don't have to seek prosper. You got to seek plan. If you'll seek his plan, he'll make you. He made him. Made him. Even the days he didn't want to, he made him. I'm telling you, if you are seeking God, you're going to prosper. You, you are going to prosper. It's going to be on increase. Why? Because that's God's plan. I said, that's God's plan. Well, wait, I've had days when it was hard. Right. But when you get to the end, which he declared at the beginning, your final outcome will be better than your current condition. Why? Well, because God said at the beginning what the end is going to be. So if you knew the end at the beginning, you would be quitting in the middle. A lot of times we never make it to the end because we never listened at the beginning. Uh, verse 6, 
He went forth and warred against the Philistines. He broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jebna, the wall of Ashdod. He built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. Look at verse 7. And God helped him. Man, if you're going to get any help, that's a pretty good source right there. God helped him. He helped him against the Philistines, the enemy, against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal. Uh, the Ammonites gave gifts to him. That's the enemy bringing him gifts. His name spread abroad even to the entering into Egypt. And he strengthened himself exceedingly. He strengthened himself exceedingly. He made sure to take care of himself. Moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men. He, he had bunches of them, bunches of fighting guys that made war. Uh, just drop down to verse 13. Under their hand was an army, 300,000, 7,500, that made war with mighty power to help the king against his enemy. These guys were strong. They were bad. They knew what they were doing, and they were there to help him against his enemy. God had positioned him to win or succeed in any given situation in life. What did he have? He had the blessing upon his life. Hello. Do you see it? He had the blessing on his life. Look at verse 14. Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the hosts. He prepared shields and spears and helmets, harbajons, bows, slings, and cast stones. He made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. His name spread far abroad. Look at this. He was marvelously helped Till he was strong. He was marvelously helped till he was strong. He was, to be helped by God is one thing, but to be marvelously helped, good Lord, somebody. And all around, all around the nation, there, you know, the, the whole globe's talking about him. And, and, you know, his name spread far abroad. They're talking about him. They're saying, good grief. Everything he touches turns to gold. People come up with, Crazy, you know, ideas, and they and they turn it into something that that's flinging arrows through the air and stones, and and it is awesome. This dude is set up. Look at verse sixteen. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. But when he was strong, now just hang with me for a minute. Let, let me just jog your memory of some of this stuff. When he was strong, you know, in the days of Zechariah, he sought God. And as long as he sought God, God made him prosper. And he built and he conquered and he went forth and he strengthened himself and he, 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 he. But when he finally reached a level of strength, his heart, his inner man, that's what the word heart there means, his inner man was lifted up, became arrogant, pride entered in to his destruction it began to become his his ruin and he transgressed the word transgress means to act unfaithfully the word faith does not mean to believe regardless of circumstance it means to obey regardless of consequence so he began to no longer obey well well wait a minute was he doing that which was wrong in the sight of god no he was doing that which was outside the sight of god he no longer checked with god why? Because he no longer needed God. His lifestyle went from seeking God, looking for God, to without God. He got up in the morning and just went out the door, brushed his teeth and left. He didn't get in the presence of God. 
where the blessing was at. Why? Because he's blessed already. Remember, for glory to be revealed, there's two requirements, two characteristics that got to be there. It is environment and relationship. Remember, everything created has been created with a seed of glory. You realize that mankind is the only is the only of God's creation that has the choice to determine whether to produce glory or not. Everything else God created manifests its glory. Remember when David said the whole earth is full of his glory? Well, when a flower blooms, you see the glory of that flower. It doesn't have a choice. It's just it's in there. And it blooms. Why? Because that's what flowers do. And when a flower blooms, you see that flower in its glory, and it therefore, in turn, glorifies God. Why? Because he's the creator of the flower that just bloomed. So you, you don't have to add fly to a bird or put swim in a fish. They come with it. Right? You don't ask a fish, would you like to swim? Fish swim. And when a fish swims, he is in his glory. You don't have to ask a bird to fly. Birds fly. And when a bird is flying, the bird is in its glory. Take the bird out of the air, put it in a cage. You still got a bird, but you ain't got no glory. Why? Because it's no longer in the correct environment. Take the fish out of the water, and it's got gills that'll suck the oxygen out of the water. But you can take the fish out of the water, put it in an oxygen-rich environment, and it's going to struggle and die. Why? Because it's in the wrong environment. Take man, take him out of the right environment, and he's going to struggle and die. What environment was man created to be in? In the presence of God. And outside of that environment, there's not the correct relationship, so the glory that's in man can no longer be revealed. So we have an enemy who snuck into the garden, who, who beguiled Adam and Eve, who separated them from the, from the environment so that they would have the wrong relationship so that the glory could no longer be revealed. And he's doing the same thing to you and I every day that he can get away with it. If he can separate you from the environment, then you'll have the wrong relationship. You won't be revealing glory. You'll be looking for glory, wondering what happened. You'll be, you'll be living by, uh, by, by a, uh, you know, a misunderstanding of the word of God. See, we got to get back in the right environment so we can have the right relationship so that we can manifest the glory of God. That's why you were created. We're always looking at the way, but God's concerned with the end. Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Death ain't dead. Death is just separated, separated from the final outcome or the end that God declared at the beginning. So from the beginning to the end, we get caught up with the way. And when we're, when we're doing life our way, we end up at the end, but it ain't the right end. Hello? It's not God's end. It's not what he created you for. It's not what he declared at the beginning. But when you focus on the end and don't worry about the way, when you leave the way up to him and you just focus on the end, then when you get to the end, you are seeing the manifested glory of God in your life. You with me? But see, we're crazy because we're, 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 consu- we're consumed with a way. Let, let, me, let, me, let me give you a picture of how this works. Um, in a marriage, okay, two people get together. They're going to get married. They're in love, right? Yeah, premarital counseling, when they're coming in for counseling, we ask them to write down two or three things about each other that they really like and then two or three things that are, that are wrong, that need to be changed. You know what's inevitably? One of them, if not both, will come and say, there's nothing wrong. This person is perfect. That's why I love them. Because they're perfect. 
I've literally had people say this to me. Pastor, you don't get it. That's why I love her. She's perfect. Six months later, she ain't so perfect. Hello? <laughs> in, in the wedding planning process. Okay, uh, Friday night, we, we did a wedding. They spent 18 months planning that wedding. And let me tell you what they tried to do. In 18 months, they tried to make sure that everything was perfect. Right? That's why you're planning so long. Because you want the perfect wedding. The problem is, is that the only thing you will remember are the things that go wrong. So you spend 18 months attempting to plan an unmemorable event. Right? Because the only thing you're going to remember is that which went wrong. If your plans succeed and nothing goes wrong, no one will even remember what happened. Right? We are so focused on the way, the way we walk down the aisle, the way we stand, the way we hold our head. At the end, nobody cares. You with me? Come on, guys. Let me tell you the truth. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what happened to the perfect flower girl. But when the flower girl freaks out, everybody remembers that. 30 years from now, when you renew your vows, remember the flower girl? You know what Jarrett and Lori are going to talk about? 50 years from now, everybody at that wedding will remember when the lightning started flashing, the thunder was roaring, the, the water was pouring out, and everybody was running for cover. It was a memorable event. And at the end, they were married. Here's my question. If you're planning on getting married, why don't you focus on the end and let God take care of the way? Till he was strong. Till he was strong. When he became strong. When he started living life without God. I, I just got questions for you. You making decisions without talking to God, then you are demonstrating your lack of need for God. Since you don't need God's input, I guess that makes you God. And since you're God, you might now suddenly understand why your prayers aren't being answered by your God. Because you are your God and you ain't answering your prayer. Don't be mad at the God when he don't answer your prayer when you haven't made him your God. Oh, come on now. Wave your hanky. We have him touch. Jack you up a little higher. Why? Because your tire's still flat. Get up every day, brush your teeth, leave the house. We don't have any great need for God. Why? Well, because we, we, we're blessed. See, there's something about blessing. It's kind of like manna. You got to get it every day. Because that old blessing just don't do what that new blessing can. We have deceived ourselves into thinking that we can handle this without God's ability put on top of our ability. And we have an enemy who has studied human nature for so long that he sits back with a smile on his face, knowing that he has been defeated, but yet he has tricked you into thinking that he is in control. When he was strong, he was lifted up in his heart. Pride came in. Pride 
says, I don't need God. I don't have to do what he says. Have you seen the day that we live in? This is today. That was so many years ago. It don't apply to my life today. Deceived. I don't have to do what God says. And surely that ain't what he meant. And we take what he said and try to make it fit what we think. So that when we live, we get what we want. Deceived. Then we all get together and we sing slow songs and worship Jesus. Worship is not a slow song, by the way. The word worship means to sit at one's feet, to rivet one's attention on one thing or something, and to sit at one's feet even as a dog would sit at his master's feet and lick his master's hand. It is to rivet your attention. Do you realize that by definition, every day you go to work, you focus on that computer screen? By definition, you're worshiping that screen. Sit in front of the TV, turn it on. What are you doing? You're worshiping the images that are on that screen. Well, what? We should turn the TV off or we shouldn't go to work? No, but we should worship God the way we worship God life. Why? Because he's God. We don't give God any attention. We make stupid statements like, well, if God wants me to do that, then I guess he'll show up and make me do that because, you know, he's God. If God wants some good stuff to happen, he'll have to make it happen. And he's God and he's in control. Really? That's the dumbest thing. He put you, read the first book, the first chapter, the 26th verse, you're in charge. Isaiah 6. Isaiah was growing up during the time of Uzziah. He was being trained in the temple. And in Isaiah 6, he said, The year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. It took the death of Uzziah before we could see the Lord on the throne because until Uzziah died, Uzziah was on the throne. You go and read the rest of that story in first, or Second Chronicles 26. And Uzziah, he was the king. He was in charge. He got upset. He was, got outside of his position of authority. He got upset when somebody challenged him, tried to correct him. He withstood them. He was stricken with leprosy, spent the rest of his life, years and years, living outside the presence, isolated. And, and you know, why they didn't just stone him is really interesting to me because they had the legal right to. But why they didn't. And, and just the other day, I, it just hit me. God gave him years to repent and he never did so he was buried outside the king's burial ground why because he is a leper he had a flesh problem Isaiah said when he died we saw the Lord seated on a throne finally we got Uzziah off the throne God could come in here and get up on the throne look at this high and lifted up his train filled the temple. The kings wore a long robe with a long train on it and it was hard to maneuver and it actually made a statement. The longer the train, the, the larger the statement that that robe made. They didn't just, they didn't have that on there because it was cool. They had that on there because it was difficult, which meant you got to help me. You got to serve me. This is my house, my day. You move that sucker around there. Let me sit down here on my throne and, and hello? A bride on the wedding day has a train. Why? It is her day. Bridesmaids, maid of honor, you're going to deal with this and hold my flowers. Why? It's my day. Right? This is my, this is my plate, my position. Well, the throne is God's position. John the Revelator said, I beheld that door to heaven was open and there was a throne with one seated upon that throne. There is one throne in the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl. 
and only one can be seated upon that throne. And it better not be you. But in our case, really, it is. Because we're so strong, we don't need God. Uzziah, he was removed. God was lifted up. Look at verse 2. Above it stood the seraphims. You know, I don't want to freak you out with weird stuff, seraphims and cherubims and, uh, you know, but here's the deal. Seraphims are angelic beings that they are on their nature. They are on fire. Okay. They're, they're like burning as on fire. Look at this. Each one had six wings with two. He covered his face, two. He covered his feet and two. He did fly Two He covered his face. Why? Because even sinless in the presence of God, he knew not to look at it. He covered his feet, which was a sign of humility and to remain humble in the presence of God. He had two, which he did fly, which is a sign of, I am ready for service. Notice, twice as many were for adoration as there was for service. We are pretty excited about energetic service and pretty slow to just hang in his presence and adore him. We have to come to a place where we recognize that our great, great need to just be in the presence. Adoration must exceed activity. Mary, remember, at her at the feet of Jesus was preferred to Martha on her feet serving. See, a lot of times we just want to get busy. A lot, and, and we use that as our excuse. Life is so busy. If life is so busy that you don't have time for the presence of God, then you are too busy. You are deceived. You, you don't need church. You need presence. If you actually had presence every day, I wouldn't care if you ever come to church. If you had presence every day, you'd have fruit really big. There is something about a corporate setting which draws on the presence, which begins to empower us to produce the fruit that God wants to see manifest in our life. But don't make this about church. Understand what this is about. This is about eradicating the deception that we live in that we don't need each other, and we don't need God. The seraphims, plural. Seraphims, plural. Look at verse 3. Their voice, they cried unto another. They weren't crying out to God. They, weren't in, they were in the presence of God. They weren't, they weren't shouting out so God could hear them. No, they cried to another. In, in, in the praise and worship time, I know you think you're singing to Jesus. I'm making a declaration to you. My God is great. He knows he's great. You hear me? He knows he's great. I want you to know that I know that my God is great. They cried out to another, holy, holy, holy. Wait a minute. Why didn't they just say holy? Why three holies? How come not one? One just ain't enough. No, you got the Father, you got the Son, you got the Holy Spirit. 
three individual entities all wrapped up in the one Godhead. Three of them. And the seraphim going, holy, holy, holy. The word holy means apartness or another. It means separated from. God is not like humanity. Humanity was made in the likeness of God. But God is a set apart from us. See, God ain't super big. He ain't super smart. He ain't super strong. He ain't superhuman. He's holy. He is apart, different than. He take all of creation and it melts away, but God's still going to be there. Take Uzziah off his throne, but God's still sitting on his. Take you and crush you with life, but God and his holiness is still there operating in his holiness. Everything about God's holy. His love is a holy love. His wisdom is a holy wisdom. His thoughts are holy thoughts. His ways are holy ways. He is a holy God, divine. He ain't like you. See, mankind is compatible with God because we've been made in his image, but we are not comparable to God. Oh, let me say that again. Mankind is compatible with God, but not comparable to God. Which is why, see, you might be a diamond. Isaiah was totally cool cat. Raised up in the presence of God every day. Served in the temple of God every day. But you read on, and, and, and these, these seraphims are crying out, and, the, and their voice is shaking, you know, the, the temple. Look, look at verse 5, I think. I think it's verse 5. Did, you, did I give you that one? Oh, I hope I gave you verse 5. Please, Jesus. Verse 5. Hit the space bar twice for me. Just space, get, get, get. There we go. Then said, woe is me. <laughs> woe is me. I am undone. Undone is not a bad place to be. Okay. Matter of fact, you know where God needs to get you? He needs to get you to undone. He needs to get you to undone. Why? Because you think you are the end. Oh, my. I know I'm over time. Jeez. Forgive me. You need to hear this part. You think you are the end. God declared the end at the beginning, and you thought he said your name. But you're not the end. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. This ain't about you, it's about him. So in order to get you where you need to be, you need to be undone. Because done is the end. But you are undone. You ain't the end. Isaiah heard angels singing and praising God, but he couldn't. Why? I'm a man of unclean lips. He was a diamond, but you know what you do with diamonds? You take a diamond and you set it on a perfectly black background. With the right light, you can see every imperfection, every flaw. Your life might just be totally righteous until it's compared to his perfection. Then we see every imperfection. You see, for you to think for one moment... That you should live life without, a, without a, a, just a reverent awe and worshipful mind towards God. For you to think for a minute that you don't need to have the, a, a change of heart in his presence. You are deceived. If we don't think we need the presence of God, we'd be done already. You're done. I'll tell you what. You can quit praying. You can quit attending services. 
Stop sowing financial seeds and get ready for eternity. Because without God, you ain't got a snowball's chance in West Texas. We need God. Without his presence, we don't have the blessing to produce the glory. And we've been created for glory. So if we can't produce glory, it's going to get gory when we try to explain God to God why we didn't show God everywhere we went. This ain't about us. This is about him being seen in us. And I can't show you God without God. I can just show you me. How arrogant we must be to think that we can pass off the fruit of our life as God fruit and to think nobody's going to know the difference. Well, I got news for you. He's going to reveal the difference. You know why we got kids who don't want nothing to do with God? Because they ain't never seen God. They've seen our fruit, not God fruit. You know why you got neighbors that look at you and think, well, my life's just as good as their life is, because it is. They just haven't gone off into as much deception as we have. They know they're without God, but they also know that they're just as good as we are. We need God. goes on and says that seraphim went down to, with tongs and took a coal off the altar, put it upon Isaiah's lips and purified him. Notice there was a throne and there was an altar. The throne is where he's to be. The altar is where we are to be. We have to come off the throne and get on the altar so that holy fire can consume us, so that we can be made whole, pure, right. If we don't get off the throne, there ain't no need of an altar because we don't have what it takes to even touch the fire. If we touch the coal, it's going to burn us, but if they put it on us, it's going to cleanse us. See, if you come running into this thing and thinking it's about you, it's going to kill you, but if you will surrender your position of authority and let God on the throne, it'll raise you from the dead. It won't be about your life. It'll be the God life operating in you and through you, and it'll be recognized by everybody around you. Do me a favor. Just, just close your book. Set your stuff down. 